Welcome to the Third City Christian Church Podcast. This week's message is Spaces, Part 1, Faithful One, recorded Sunday, November 13th, 2022. If you have a story about how God is working in your life, please let us know by sending an email to podcast at thirdcityc.org. Now here's Dan with today's message. For the last 11 months, we've journeyed together through the book of Mark, learning more about the life and teachings and ministry of Jesus. And I think together, We've learned a lot, and we've been reminded of some simple truths, things like we saw how Jesus was rejected by the religious elite, but accepted by outcasts. We saw uh, and learned what it means to be great in the kingdom of God. And we were reminded of how Jesus stood for those who couldn't stand for themselves, and ultimately we were challenged over and over again to crown Jesus with glory in our lives. Uh, We learn this, when together we focus our attention on Jesus and on his way of doing life, it brings the church to a place of unity in purpose and heart for those around us. And last week, we asked you as our church members, uh, both here in Grand Island and Broken Bow, to affirm our 2023 budget. It's way more than a piece of paper with a bunch of numbers on it, it's vision. Uh, And it's love unlimited, living its way out. Uh, It's bigger than just numbers on a piece of paper. So it's really fun to be able to tell you that almost 99% of you said, absolutely, let's go. Let's, let's, Let's do this thing called church together. Let's be love unlimited to people who aren't here yet, as well as those who are. And I'll just tell you, I can't wait to see what Third City looks like a year from today. Uh, as, as new faces in the crowd who have finally found both peace and purpose and their lives are part of us. And I know so many of you are new this year and you found that. And what we're doing over the next few weeks is challenging you to be uh, big in the people around you. And so uh, if you would stand with me, I want to pray uh, a prayer of thanksgiving for what God is doing in us and through us. Uh, But I also want to take a moment and pray for our team that's serving in Kenya this week. We have 20 people who uh, got on a plane and then another plane and then another plane and another plane uh, as they had some some travel difficulties. I want to pray for them that God would use them in a powerful way uh, in Kariobangi, Kenya this week. God, we're thankful to be uh, a church that is growing in unity, a church that you are wanting to use to do big things around us. I'm so thankful that we uh, are a body that is unified, a body that doesn't argue over the little things. Instead, we unite around the big things. So will you continue to develop that in us and continue to challenge us to be love unlimited to the people in our areas? And God, we pray for our team that's in Kenya today, that they would be able to serve with love and partner with our our people there at the school and church in Kenya, and that it would be a great time of sharing, uh, but also a, a great time for those 20 from here to be built up in their faith and their desire to serve you wherever they go. And will you give them safety of travel? And will you stretch their hearts in a powerful way over the next week or so? We pray all that in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. I'm not going to make you stand all day. Uh, and so... Uh, 
what might go through your mind after 11 months going through one book is like, so what now, right? Like, you've been so focused on this life story and ministry story of Jesus. What do we do after a year of journeying through a book like Mark? Do we just go on and spend, you know, turn the page and spend a year in Luke? The answer is we don't, you know, for now. Uh, we're going to do something a little bit different. Uh, instead, what we want to do is take that commissioning of Jesus that Scott talked about last week. We want to take that really seriously as a church. We share the good news of Jesus with any and all who will listen. And we believe, just like the disciples did, what Jesus told them in John chapter 14. He said this, Very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing, and they will do even greater things, which is crazy to think about, isn't it? They will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. And what happened next for the disciples who were, at that point, the followers of Jesus is that they became apostles, those who were sent out by Jesus. And they lived their lives in such a way that the world is turned upside down. You can read about that in the book of Acts. It's 28 chapters that lays out the history and the development of Jesus' church. And it's a really, really important book for us as, as church members, but also just as believers in Christ uh, to really know and study. And the church spreads to new regions and nations and even continents. And it goes from just being the, the place for the Old Testament people of God, the Israelites, to being a place that welcomed in the Gentiles, those who did not grow up as the people of God. And in the book of Acts, a man by the name of Saul emerges. And if you're newer to the Bible, newer to Third City, uh, it's important for you to understand a few things about this man. When Jesus chose his disciples, the 12 mentioned in Mark, he didn't choose the elite. He chose people who were misfits, people who had been passed over by a rabbi. Really, they were B-team kind of people. But Saul was different. You see, Saul, he was part of the religious elite, the ruling class. He would have been top of his class in some rabbinical school, probably the quarterback on the, on the football team and maybe the homecoming king. Uh, he, was, he was a have in a society of have-nots. But he was also a Pharisee who had made it his life goal to snuff out the developing church. He was present and affirming as some of the very first persecutions take place. In fact, early on in the book of Mark or Acts, we read that he was there as Stephen was stoned to death. And he was holding coats, and he, and he was all for what they were doing because he wanted the church to come to an end. He certainly wasn't on anybody's short list to be a hero in the church. But in Acts chapter 9, Jesus gets Saul's attention in a really incredible way. This afternoon, you should go read that chapter because it is amazing. And Saul, who's been the antagonist of the story, becomes Paul, one of the protagonists of the story. Enemy number one becomes the lead character in the effort to take the good news of Jesus global. And the rest of Acts is the story of his missionary journeys planting churches throughout a large region. You're looking at a map of all the places that he went, places like Syria and Cilicia and, and Galatian 
or Galatia and Philippi and Thessalonica and Corinth and Ephesus and Spain and Rome. And you recognize a lot of these city names because Paul would then write letters to these churches, encouraging them to continue in the ways of Jesus. And those writings became the majority of what's left in our Bible. And you recognize them because they're books like Ephesians and Corinthians, Galatians, Colossians, Thessalonians, and Romans. Incredible writings that talk about the gospel and how the church ought to live that out. And Paul's conversion, understand this, took place when he was about 30 years old. Uh, for probably 15 years, he's, he's been this elite Jewish man. And as Jesus went through his ministry years, he opposed it all. Might have been in the crowd saying, crucify him. Was certainly there as people were killed because of their faith. And now he becomes something much different and spends the next 32-ish years living his life for a far greater and different purpose. And during that 32 years, he spent his life traveling over 10,000 miles by land and by sea in order to proclaim the gospel of Jesus. He would plant a church in a city. He would appoint leaders. He would stay there for a little while, and then he would go to a new city. And he'd repeat the process over and over and over again. And near the very end of his life, he wrote these two letters to one of his most trusted co-workers, a man named Timothy. And in 1 Timothy, he wrote this sentence. He said, fight the good fight. Finish the race. Remain faithful. And not long after that, knowing that his life was about to end, as he wrote from a Roman prison, he wrote these words in 2 Timothy. He said, I have fought the good fight. I have finished my race. And I have remained faithful. And I'm going on to something greater because this life is almost over. And so over the next three weeks, what we want to do is take a look at just a few paragraphs of Paul's words to Timothy and apply those words to our context here in central Nebraska, specifically at and around Third City Christian Church. And so I want to read, uh, if, as you follow along, 10 verses from the beginning of chapter 2. It says, You then, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to reliable people who will also be qualified to teach others. Join with me in suffering like a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No one serving as a soldier gets entangled in civilian affairs, but rather tries to please his commanding officer. Similarly, similarly, anyone who competes as an athlete does not receive the victor's crown except by competing according to the rules. And the hardworking farmer should be the first to receive a share of the crops. Reflect on what I'm saying, for the Lord will give you insight into all this. Remember Jesus Christ, raised from the dead, descended from David. This is my gospel for which I am suffering even to the point of being chained like a criminal. But God's word is not chained. Therefore, I endure everything for the sake of the elect, that they too may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. You see, everywhere that Paul and people like Timothy have gone, they've preached this simple truth. Remember Jesus Christ, raised from the dead, descended from David. 
And Paul says this phrase is the whole, the entirety of the gospel that he has preached. And we read that a couple thousand years later, and we don't really see anything terribly controversial about it. But there's three elements to what he says there that to some of the people listening that day would have been highly controversial. First, he says resurrected. And for a lot of the religious leaders, that's kind of taboo. You don't talk about that because resurrection's not really a thing. Uh, they grew up being taught that by a group called the Sadducees. And so, so let's not talk about that. Second, he said that Jesus was descended from David. And when we talked a few weeks ago about that process of determining whether Jesus is a liar, a lunatic, or Lord, <clears throat> a statement like this is at the center of that. Uh, because the Jewish people have been waiting their whole lives for that descendant of David to come as a Messiah. And if you're saying that it was Jesus, you've called him Lord. And then the third thing he says is he uses the title Jesus Christ. And we understand that Christ is not a last name. Rather, it's a, it's a title that means anointed one. And for him to say that in a place like Rome in front of an emperor like Nero and all the other emperors who believed that they were the anointed one, that'll get you a fast pass to prison. And so Paul says it's because of his preaching of these truths that he's in prison and about to lose his life. And so he gives these instructions to Timothy because he wants the churches that they have planted together to continue to thrive. And I have no doubt that they're instructions that we should listen to and follow through on ourselves. And it's simply this, a verse that we ought to know and implement in our own lives. It's one of my favorite verses in all of Scripture. It says, The things you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses entrust to reliable people who will pass them on to other people. They'll be qualified to teach others. What you've heard me say, tell others who will tell others who will tell others who will tell others. And it doesn't say if you're a priest or if you're a minister. He's speaking to the church. Tell people about what you've discovered. And before you debate whether that verse is talking about evangelism or discipleship, I think I'd just tell you, yes, it is. Because there really is no discipleship without evangelism. And there's no evangelism without discipleship. See, we talk about this phrase here, love unlimited. And love unlimited, it describes the vision we aspire to. A people who live out the unlimited love of God. And so understand it means this. We receive his unlimited love for us. And then we reflect his unlimited love to the people around us. And it ends up looking a lot like this. Someone is told about the love that Jesus has for them, and they respond. And we get to see that happen so often here. We saw it today. We saw someone declaring their, their faith and their allegiance to Jesus. And we've seen that, I think, over 110 times this year. People are saying, I believe this, and I'm going to make it the backbone of my life. I'm going to make it what I live for and what's most important to me. And that allegiance begins to form in their life, and we call that faith and lordship. And that, and that allegiance to Jesus and love for people around us, 
it moves you to share the most important thing that you've discovered. I love it when I get to stand back there with someone who for the first time in their life is going to baptize someone because it is addictive. When you get to share with someone the thing that someone shared with you. And understand, these are just a few of the pictures. We didn't have space or time for all of them. Uh, that we have seen this develop with people here at Third City, that you lead people to accept what you've accepted. And it's a beautiful thing. And understand, we want to be a church that knows how important it is for us to gather. Things like this are beautiful. And we call it come and see. But also, we want to be a church that loves enough to scatter and to go and be. And over the next few weeks, we want to challenge you to consider what it would look like for you to become the kind of people who are willing to go and be representatives in the spaces you exist in. See, all of us, we live somewhere, in a neighborhood or on a farm, uh, in, a, on a, in a dorm or a nursing home. And we know that we have people who go into our, our jails every year and they share Love Unlimited there. Or every week they go into those jails and, and some of them might be able to watch our services. And so, for now, that's where some people live, and they have the opportunity to really be a light in that space, to be love unlimited where they are. And we all go to work or to school or we volunteer somewhere on a regular basis. Uh, and all of us have some kind of activity or interest uh, that takes us someplace. It might be a coffee shop or uh, a golf course or a gym, or if you're a parent, maybe it's a soccer field every single Saturday, right? And so you exist in these spaces, and the challenge is, what if you go into those places, those spaces uh, with intentionality? What if you were to more and more go into those places to build relationships, and not to take a soapbox and stand up and start preaching at the soccer game, but to build relationships with the parent that sits next to you, uh, or the coworker in the next cubicle? or someone in your neighborhood who's seen your third city Love Unlimited sign for first responders, but they haven't found that hope for themselves. See, Love Unlimited, it takes the gospel of Jesus. It ought to take, if we do that together, it takes it to all places across our map. 4100 West 13th here in Grand Island, this building, or 831 Buffalo Run Road in, in Broken Bow, uh, I'm so thankful that we have great facilities where we can do this, where we can meet and we can gather and we can worship together. But what if we take it outside the walls of this more and more in our lives? Uh, our map starts to look fuller and there's no place in our city, no place in our county or in our, our region that goes untouched because we're the people of God and we do this together and we represent him wherever we go. And so over the next few things, over the next few weeks, we want to hear from a few people who have taken this seriously. People who have stepped into their spaces with the kind of mentality, I'm, I'm gonna go and be the love and the people of God. And so today we want you to, to meet Jeff. Um, Jeff Vilidal. I am a teacher. I do show choir, the musical, uh, the show bands, anything that has to do with show choir or musicals, any of that. Um, this is my 15th year of teaching. Every year I interact with 
gosh, somewhere between 200, 250 kids just in the, in the choirs alone and the crew. Uh, that doesn't include the band kids or my students' friends who come in just to hang out in the morning and play foosball or just, um, just hang out with their friends and us at lunch or advisement. But then outside of the school day, I have show choir. I have two show choirs. Show band is outside of the school day. And then the musical is obviously a six, seven week process where we meet every day. Uh, show choir wise, we meet once a week outside of class. I work really hard to, to let them know that they're loved and to let them know that they have someone who cares about them. Um, I would say most of my job has nothing to do with teaching people how to sing. We spend hours together every day. Sometimes I see these kids, especially during musical time, more than their own family see them. I work really hard to let them know they're loved and to just try to live out a good example that they can look to and go, oh wow, like there's something different about him. Um, and, and I think they all know that I love Jesus. I, I, I'm not, I don't shy away from that. However, I don't, I mean, I'm in a school, so I can't obviously preach that. But in high school, I was either gonna be a youth pastor or a cop. Um, and then that transitioned into a youth pastor or a gigging musician. Um, and then I realized I really wanted to be in the trenches and with the lost sheep, you know, the people, not that, not that youth pastors aren't, but they tend to deal with a lot of people who've either are questioning and kind of come to church or they can kind of plant themselves in situations, but everybody knows that they're a pastor. I want to be with the kids that were running as far away as they could um, and to find those kids and let them know that they're loved and to let them know that, that Jesus is there. And, and there are kids that I, I mean, I talked to for four years and never seemed to crack. And then they, you know, two, three years later would say, hey, I started going to church and it made me think of you. And, and so it's just being able to maybe plant that seed or um, again, hopefully they will, they'll feel the love of Jesus, but sometimes it's just the love. There are tons of broken kids everywhere, um, more now than I've seen since I started teaching. So it, there are a lot of kids who just desperately need someone to love them and to know that, that they're there and that if they're struggling, they can just come and sit and, and talk. I just want to be a light, and, and I always talk about being a lighthouse, you know, in the storm for these kids to, to make heaven more crowded. And to just, um, as they're going through all these trials and troubles, to, to have one steady person there that they know they can count on, um, where for some of them they don't. They don't have that at all. I'm not perfect, and you know, I, I let them know that. I show them my flaws as well, so they don't feel like you have to be perfect. But just, to, just an attempt to love them, and just an attempt to, to give them somebody who cares. We know that there's so many stories like Jeff of people who have walked with Jesus for a long time and take it seriously wherever we go. And we also know that sometimes our circles overlap a little bit, our spaces do. And, uh, and so it's Jeff's job that, man, he represents Jesus with so many people that that's just their, their love and life and, and singing music and, and dancing and, and those different things. And, and uh, man, I'm just also so thankful that we have staff members here who can put together videos like that, uh, because it really is inspirational. Before coming back here to Third City, I worked with a campus ministry, going into one of the most strategic places, spaces in all of the world, in a place where the leaders of tomorrow are studying today, and I spent about 10 years at University of Nebraska-Lincoln, and, and, and every year we would do this thing in the fall. Uh, a, a club fair or an involvement fair uh, on the street in front of the stadium and thousands of people, sometimes their parents, 
uh, sometimes just the students, always the seniors coming back because there's free stuff everywhere. And, uh, and it's just this effort to get to know people and, and every interest, every hobby, every career and every group was represented at this deal. And for a few years, uh, we would give away things and, you know, whether it's a Frisbee or a cup or a highlighter that worked for about two hours, you know, a pen, whatever it was, we'd give this stuff away in hopes that they would read the pen and say, oh, Christian Student Fellowship, I think I'll go there. And I thought, all that stuff's being thrown away, right? Especially the 99-cent Frisbee that never flew straight once, right? And so all this stuff's thrown away. What could we give away and center a conversation? We knew we didn't have five minutes with people. We had 15 seconds. And so we started buying some ramen noodle, right? And we would put a sticker on there because college students, ramen noodles, like the math works, right? And so, so we'd put a sticker with information about our group on there and and, and we would go out there and, and we'd just kind of start tossing it to people, right? Good catch. Uh, we, we would take these and, and we would, you know, have conversations and tell them a little bit about our group and about Jesus if we had that opportunity to. Because we trusted that this would get at least one more look, right? Because hungry college students are going to dig through that bag and throw the pen away and throw the hat away and throw all that. Whoa, food, right? I'm going to keep that. But that first year we did it, I noticed something happened towards the end of the day. Early on, I'm just tossing them to everyone, right? But we got down to our last box of noodles. <laughs> and I had three bags left. And I'm holding them like a prized possession. And I start looking at people, and I'm like, yeah, that guy's not coming to our group. I'm not going to give him that bag. Uh, and she's got the wrong kind of T-shirt on. He's walking with the wrong person. And I started profiling people. And I wasn't willing to give away the thing that maybe would give them a little bit of information about our group. And I, I hated that about myself. So two things changed. The next year, I bought a lot more ramen. The people at Sam's Club looked at me a little funny. And we put stickers on it. And I wanted to make sure that we had leftover ramen at the end of the day because we bought so much of it. We, we probably kept the company in business. <laughs> but the second one is, I never wanted to say anyone's no for them again. I never wanted to look at someone in the space that I was representing Jesus and say, I don't think that person's going to come. I don't think that person's going to listen. All of those people that you saw being baptized and baptizing... Can I just tell you, the jury was out on them of whether they would be reliable people. When I met Ted at a street fair in Lincoln, and he started getting involved with our group, I had doubts. Ted would tell you he did too. But we shared. We told him about what was important to us and where we had found hope. Will we be that kind of a people? And you might be thinking, I'm not ready for that. Like, I just got baptized today or last week. And I just want you to hear a few things. The first one is, you are more equipped than ever. You've sat through one more sermon than you did yesterday. 
If you've encountered Jesus in your life, you have a great starting point. Jesus met this woman at a well, and she had all kinds of baggage. And Jesus saw her and loved her and sent her. And she went back to her people that day and simply said, come meet a man who knows all of my baggage and still showed me grace. Second one is you are further from failure than you were yesterday. And God loves you and he has a purpose for you and he has someone in mind that he wants to use you to interact with and to teach them and to bring them and to share with them. And the third one is you're more ready than you realize. I love this phrase because all it takes to lead someone is to be one step ahead of where they are. So if you were baptized today, guess what? You work with someone who wasn't. And you might be the voice in their life. And the last one is just this. You're needed now. Because if we do this together, let me just tell you what will happen. We'll quit growing by addition, which we love everyone who's been added to our numbers. And we'll start growing by multiplication. Because if you say... I'm responsible for one, and I say it, and you say it, we'll double. And it's not about attendance, it's about souls, people finding hope in Jesus. For each of the next three weeks, as we step into this moment of communion, we're going to celebrate because someone thought enough of us to tell us whether it was a parent or a coworker or someone in a soccer field to invite us into what means most in their lives. And we want to focus on Jesus's greatness and on his gift. And just a couple of sentences later, here's what Paul says. He says, here's a trustworthy saying. If we died with him, we'll also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we disown him, he'll disown us. But if we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot disown himself. So God, we take this moment together to celebrate that our names are known by you, are written in a book of life, in part because someone cared enough about us to share in the spaces that we grew up in or that we work in or that we play in. We thank you that you love us and that it's your desire that all people would come to know you and that you actually see fit to work through us. That's amazing. But for the next minute, we just take this opportunity to say thank you. That we know you, that you died for us, and that you defeated death once and for all. Amen. Makes me feel a little bit humbled to look at what he did during his time, like, feel like I'm here, you know? And uh, uh, to be honest, <laughs> a lot of my days look pretty boring, right? Like, took these off of my phone and, and uh, you know, it's kind of like wake up, go to work, go home, go to bed, repeat. Uh, and even on my crazy days, you know, it's not real out of hand. Uh, you know, it's probably because I forgot something at the hardware store and I just had to keep going back and forth. 
And I'll tell you this, if you think the church staff can handle it all, we're a mess. <laughs> uh, this picture is probably what it looked like when we were in Orlando and five of us were in a car. Uh, for about three hours, we went through an adventure that was not fun. <laughs> uh, and, and there were five church staff in the car. I was driving and just going in circles. Scott was probably trying to figure out his Apple ID so he could download an app. And, you know, Laura's got a clipboard, like, just marking all the wrong turns. Uh, Dina, who works with our, our, our Connect program, is just laughing at us. And Brendan's there, and he's just trying to teach me the original words for you're lost. You know, here's what it means in Greek. And I'm like, you're of no help. We basically circled this place called Wawa. It's the pump and pantry of Orlando. And, and Laura would say, oh, there's another Wawa. I said, it's not, it's not another one, Laura. It's the same <laughs> one. Someone should know Jesus at that Wawa because of how much time we spent in that space. And the point is this, you can't do it on your own and neither can I. And the church staff, we don't live and work and play in the same places that you do. But if we would all take that attitude of go and be and be in the spaces that we do live in, that we do work in, that we do play in, people will go from being part of the crowd to being reliable ones. Because you love them that much, you care about them that much. And so there's this image that, uh, there's this map that's in our plaza, both here and in Broken Bow, that we would love for you to stop by today or maybe next week. And and place some pins on there. Uh, a red pin that represents uh, the place or the neighborhood that you live in. A blue pin that represents your work or your school or your volunteering. And then a green pin to represent the activity or hobby that you are consistently involved with. And maybe it's where you're sitting with a lot of other parents as they're kicking a ball every week place those pins. And I think what we're going to see together is, is that our impact can be so wide. And I just want to tell you this, if you live on a farm, just find an edge of one of those towns and put it there or an acreage, whatever it is. I saw someone put pins way up high to say they go fishing in Canada. Uh, don't ruin the drywall. But you know, if you can put it in places that represent those three things for you, ultimately it comes down to this. Will we quit clutching what we have and just share it with people over and over and over again. Thanks for listening to the Third City Christian Church podcast. Please join us for one of our worship services at 9, 10, 15, or 11.30 a.m. in Grand Island and at 10, 15 a.m. in Broken Bow on Facebook Live at thirdcityc.online.church each Sunday. For more information about Third City Christian Church, send email to podcast at thirdcityc.org. Call us at 308-384-5038 or visit us online at thirdcityc.org.